You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Lord, we are thankful to be here with this people group that you have ordained to be here, not just in this season, but today, today. So we want to ask that your tangible presence is evident amongst your people. This historic day, the day of Pentecost, not a holiday, not something many people mark on their calendars, but this day historically that a mega shift took place in your church. And Lord, as we dive into scripture and we, and we begin to tease out the truths from your word, I pray that it is by the power of your spirit that we receive a revelation about what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, the living God. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you knew that today was Pentecost, the celebration of Pentecost? How many of you know what Pentecost is? So, some, How many of you are getting real nervous because you think we're about to get Pentecostal real quick in here? But just so you know, the Jews were the first Pentecostals ever on the planet. And so I believe that every Christian should be Pentecostal in their roots. Um, not Pentecostal denomination, not Pentecostal when it comes to a grouping, but understanding what Pentecost is and being marked by what marked the church here in Acts 2. We're about to get into that. The, the Feast of, of Pentecost or, or, or Shavat, which is it's also in the Hebrew, uh, is known in the Bible by many names. And so we, we see it as the Feast of Weeks. And so we see that in Leviticus chapter 23. I'm not going to go there, but we see that at the end of seven full weeks, 49 days, there's this, this feast that has happened in, in, Jew, in Jewish culture still. It's an offering of new grains, and it's presented to the Lord to celebrate his goodness. And so today during our prayer time, Stephen Jessica asked us to, to give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And so I thought that was very prophetic because I'm not sure if that was lined up with Pentecost, but that's what, that's what the celebration was for. We also see it called the Feast of the Harvest. And so the Feast of the Harvest was a, a, a festival expressing thankfulness to the Lord for the blessings of the harvest and the latter fruits. And so we have, you know, that first planting uh, of, of fields, and then we got that first, you know, batch, and we give our first fruits offering. But then there was latter fruits because, you know, there's a harvest that comes continually, and we present those offerings to the Lord. So Pentecost was celebrated on the 50th day. And so we see that word penta, meaning in the Greek, it's 50, right? Uh, it's 50 days after the Passover. And so Shabbat is, is traditionally a joyous time of giving thanks and presenting offerings to the Lord for the summer harvest. In the book of Acts, we, we see what Jesus begins to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so many believe, hey, this is the birth of the church. And although I believe it's the awakening of, of the church, the church started when Jesus began his ministry because Jesus began to gather. 
And anytime Jesus gathers and anytime we see followers, we find the church. The expressions and the formation of the church begin to take place in Acts. Um, but we see this beautiful thing happening at Pentecost. For the commissioned followers of Jesus, Pentecost would take on a whole new meaning for them. It wasn't just going to be Shabbat or this, or this feast of weeks or this, or this harvest festival. Pentecost was going to be something spectacular. I mean, if you could just think of a, of, of a primitive firework show, this is what was happening in the spirits at Pentecost. This Pentecost would bring a baptism. This Pentecost would bring a holy commissioning, a holy immersion, an outpouring. Can you say outpouring? An outpouring of the Spirit of God. And it would happen on a small congregation of 120 people. Ain't that powerful? Something like this room right now. Uh, Michael Eaton has, has um, a commentary and um, his, his, his expository work on Acts chapter 2 gives three points. I want to give those to you this morning. It says, when we see Pentecost happen, we, we see um, a gift was given surprisingly. Jesus told the disciples to wait, and the Holy Spirit would come. And so they had an expectation, but they had no idea what they were expecting. It was surprising, right? And the Spirit was given, listen, would come as Jesus prescribed. And so when we see what takes place, this is what Jesus wanted. This is what Jesus prescripted. Um, number two, uh, we see prophetic timing. And this is powerful, friends. Listen, the law of Moses, the old covenant, was given 50 days after the Passover. When Moses came from Mount Sinai and gave the law to the children of Israel, it was 50 days after the Passover. And now here at Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, the new covenant would come and be delivered, friends, listen, by the Holy Spirit. The new covenant, the grace covenant, Scripture calls it the better covenant. And this is powerful. What a prophetic thing that God delivers his covenants at the same time at different points of history. Isn't that powerful? Listen, the new work of the Spirit was going to be phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I know these words are, I mean, they're just like when you think, think, think of phenomena, not LL Cool J, something like a phenomena. No, no, don't, don't listen to that. Sorry, I'm up in the 90s sorry here we go listen wind wind came and that wind spoke of life new energy for this people and then fire came fire and fire spoke of purification and holiness and then spiritual tongues Spiritual tongues came in, and this would speak of, listen, friends, a new corporate unity that God was blessing on this people. Something that was robbed in Genesis by the arrogance of man would be unified by the Holy Spirit again. And we would speak a holy language that would unify a people. And this is powerful. Only possible because of Pentecost. Only possible because God ordains the times and the places. Just like our moment now, 
just like this moment thousands of years ago. What a day. What a day. But we have to know that Pentecost isn't just a moment for believers. That Pe- Pentecost isn't just a historic thing. It was a starting point. A starting point. And I, I, I love the word revolution. And, and not like, you know, revolution where we're going to go start a war. But revolution of going back, making a full revolution, going back to a starting point. And this is what I believe as as, as Christians, we have to understand when we see biblical pattern, this is what we're doing is we're going back to the starting point and saying, Lord, this is where it started. And so this is base level for us. This is how we want to operate because it's in, it's in the foundations of of your word. It's, it's, it's in scripture. And because it's in scripture, we not only want to stand on it, we want to walk in it. Can you guys see the difference of that? Not just standing on it. I want to walk in it. I want to walk in the truths that you are giving us. I want to walk in the spirit. And so now let's, let's read some of Acts 2. Or let's read most of Acts 2. You guys okay with that? You guys okay with reading your Bible? How many of you were encouraged last week by Christian's uh, message? How many of you have been reading your Bible a little bit more? I, I hope you have. I went those statistics amazing, right? If you just read your Bible just a little bit more, I, I, I always tell people, hey, if you're winning four days out of the week, four days over three, you're winning, right? So seven days in a week, same with reading your word. If you read more than you don't, you're going to be doing a good job. So on the day of Pentecost, can you say Pentecost? All the believers were meeting together in one place. Listen, friends, all the believers at this point had whittled down to about 120. There were thousands in the multitudes that followed Jesus. Jesus fed thousands. There was thousands who would come in crowds to watch him speak and watch him perform miracles. There were thousands who had heard or seen what he had accomplished during his ministry. And now, after the crucifixion, there's only 120 left. All the looky-loos were gone. All the Matichis were headed for the hills. It was those who were holding on. It's those who had true revelation, those who Jesus had revealed himself to, who were holding on to that revelation. And when Jesus said, wait, and I will send you an helper, it was them in that room. It was them in that one place waiting for the promise of God. And I'm telling you, friends, this we have this from, from the gate. We're... we're five words, six words into, we have to understand this is a pattern for God's people. We wait on the Lord. We wait until God speaks. We wait until God moves. And when we do, phenomenal things happen, right? They were meeting together in one place and suddenly, you say suddenly, suddenly there was a sound from heaven. So it starts with sound, a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled, listen, friends, on each one of them. Say each one of them. Each one of them. There was this corporate anointing that was coming. It was a corporate anointing. And I believe this is also the pattern of scripture. These things aren't just for a select few. If you want it, get in the house and it's coming. 
If you want it, you wait on the Lord and in the promises that he has given, they will come. And so this corporate anointing falls on this room and everyone present, who? Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, not just those who wanted it, not just those who, who, who were like, had their hands raised and went up to the front. Everyone who was in the room was filled with the Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, here come the Mithichis. What happened? We heard something, so we came over. When they heard a loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by believers. Now, understand, they're here for Pentecost. They're here for the Feast of Weeks. They would come together in, in, in the, this, this holy place, right, to, to celebrate. And so they, all these people would come to celebrate, and they're here. And God says, hey, what a wonderful opportunity for us. What a wonderful opportunity for us. Holy Spirit comes, loud noises happen, the look-and-lose come out of the houses, what's going on? Begin to hear in their own languages. It's being spoken by the believers, and, and they were completely amazed. How can this be, they explained. These people are, are from Galilee, and, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Here, we, we are Parthians and Medes and, and Elamites. And you got to understand, during, during, I mean, just the, the oppression and the persecution of, of, of the Jews has been for, I mean, thousands of years. And in, in, in this time, they were still scattered. You know, some were, were in Rome and, 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 you know, under Roman rule, but some were in other parts. And, and so in, in, during this imperial rule of the Romans, Right? They, they were allowed to operate with some flexibility, but as they were scattered, they learned new languages and adopted you know, different cultures. So when they would come together, they were speaking different languages. And so they're, they're hearing in one, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and um, the province of Asia. I'm going to um, mess up some of these, but just follow along. Um, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Isn't that amazing? That the, some were even being converted into Judaism. Cretans and Arabs and all, uh, and we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things that God has done. Isn't that powerful? This holy tongue that's being spoken and speaking the glories of God. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What, what can this mean? They asked each other, but others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, oh, they're just drunk. It's where we get drunk in the spirit from, right? Um, oh, that's all. I mean, I've heard all kinds of weird abuses of, of this loaded in the spirit and high in the spirit. They were drunk in the spirit. Um, that's all. And, and then listen, friends. And then Peter takes this wonderful opportunity to preach the gospel. And this is what Holy Spirit does, friends. When the Holy Spirit operates in power and wonder and begins to, to, to 
manifest himself in, in ways that we are amazed by or that we can't comprehend. It is an opportunity for him to point people to Jesus. And so as these crowds were gathered in awe and wonder and amazement, it wasn't just for awe and wonder and amazement. That's, that's not what God's about. It, it was this opportunity for this attractional phenomenon to happen so that people would come and gaze upon this phenomena, and then the gospel's preached, right? The gospel is preached, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, I'm going to read through this first. Then, then Peter steps forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. Can you imagine? I mean, he is filled with the Spirit, by accounts by them, he's drunk in the spirit. And pow- I mean, this has just happened to him. I mean, he, of tongues of fire, all this has happened to him. And having to come out of that and gather, you know, by the power of the spirit, his wits to preach the gospel. I mean, this is, this is powerful if you just think about what's happening right now. So he preaches this gospel. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's much too early for that. Amen. <laughs> It's much too early to be drinking at nine in the morning. Much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And I love anytime Peter does this, or even when, when Paul does this, he's speaking to Jews. And so he needs to use Jew language. I want to remind you what our prophet Joel said, our our, our Jewish prophet from from our religion, from our culture. I want to remind you what he said. Listen to this. And so in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Can you say all people again? On all people, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm starting to dream dreams. I think I'm getting into those old ages. I don't know. Dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. Listen, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below, floods and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn to blood. How many of you have seen that blood moon like a couple weeks ago? And when I was a kid, anytime that blood moon would come out, I would freak the heck out because I thought Jesus was coming. Like, it's like, it's surely today. Like, it's, 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 you start repenting, you start asking forgiveness, whatever you need to do to make sure that you catch that ride. Um, everyone who calls, I'm sorry, the blood moon red before that great and glorious day of, uh, of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, listen, friends, will be saved. Isn't that powerful? Anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you you all well know. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed, when the people of, uh, of lawless, when the help of lawless Gentiles, with the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross 
and killed him. He was, he was taking, given, basically putting corporate ownership on them because they had experienced his ministry and still rejected and more than likely were part of that crowd when they were given an opportunity to choose between Barabbas and Jesus. And that crowd was chanting, crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in his grip. You say amen to that church. King David said this about him. I see the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. Again, he's using their Jewish language. He's reminding them, listen, these things have been, have been told to us in the past. He's, he's drawing the, these threads for them to understand. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. And that's a prophetic word about Jesus because that Holy One is accentuated and it's godly. There's only one. and His name is Jesus. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself or he died and was buried and his tomb is still here amongst us. I mean, he's using intellect. He's using prophetic words. He's using Psalms. He is pulling things. I mean, this is, this is, this is what preaching the gospel under the Spirit's power, it, it feels like. I mean, you're just like, God just had down. There was no notes. He had no iPad. He had no Bible. He's pulling out scriptures, and he, he, he's appealing to them with this gospel empowered by the Spirit. I keep losing my place and get so excited. He died and he's with us here amongst us, but he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's descendants would sit on this, on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave, uh, leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Can you say amen? We are witnesses of this. He's saying we are witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of, of, of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. Just as you see here today. This is what is happening at Pentecost an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool underneath your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Oof. It's getting real. <laughs> who you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. I mean, he is dismantling everything that these people have been waiting for. He is heading them in the power of the spirit, but man, he's going, he's going for the jugular in the spirit, not in the physical. 
So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. Did what? It pierced their hearts. This is what the pure gospel does. This is what, this is what the, the power of the gospel, when it's preached in the, in the power of the spirit, this is what it does. It, it, it pierces the hearts. And I'm telling you, friends, I've, I've listened to the gospel being preached therapeutically. And it doesn't pierce the heart. It might, it might tickle some emotions. It might, it might tickle some, some ideologies. But when we preach the gospel and the power of the spirit, it cuts to the heart. And these people who were once rejectors of Jesus, these people who were once hostile towards Jesus, friends, listen, and they said to him and to the other apostles, listen to this, friends, brothers, what? should we do another version would say what must we do tell us what to do tell us what response we have to give now that we've heard this this gospel preached that we now that we have a revelation of what's happening now that it's been revealed to us now that holy spirit has come has gained our attraction we have revelation now of what jesus has done gained our attention what jesus done. what must we do and Peter replied, listen to this, friends. Each of you must repent. Repent. Repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and be baptized. When? Now. Not tomorrow. Now that you have revelation of what Jesus has done, repent and be baptized. Then, say then. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have called, been called by the name of the Lord. And Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. That powerful. This congregation of 120 people, outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes, explodes to a megachurch that day. That day. This is what the power of God can do. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. And when, when, when the Holy Spirit is, is operating, it, it, it looks like power. And I want to I bring out some of these things with, of power with the time that I have left. First, we see in this passage a power to witness. Right? Peter used this opportunity to, to witness under the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says this. This is what Jesus told his disciples before he ascended. But you will receive power. Can you say power? power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, the power to be a witness. And I'm telling you, the church needs to be reminded of this power again. You have been empowered by God the Spirit to be a witness for Jesus. 
If you are not a witness for Jesus, I'm just going to be really honest with us this morning, then we have not been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have not experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But when you have been, we have experienced the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you can't help but be a witness for Jesus. You can't. You'll be at work and you got to talk about Jesus. You'll be at play and you want to talk about Jesus. You'll be at school and you want to talk about Jesus. You can't help it. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal Jesus to the world. And so if the Holy Spirit is over your life, has been outpoured, infilled, then you're going to talk about Jesus. This is what we're empowered to do. Where? Everywhere. To who? Everyone. But what about those people we don't like? Them too. You better believe it. When, when, when Jesus said Judea and Samaria, I got to believe the, the disciples were like, whoa, take it easy, Jesus. The Samaritans? Everywhere. Everywhere. We see shortly after this passage, we see the power to form a spiritual community. And this is supernatural, friends. This is what's supernatural about church. Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer and a deep sense of awe. Can you say awe? Awe only comes when power comes. Awe only comes when you see the supernatural happening. And this is what a spiritual community looks like. A spiritual community is supernatural. It should be supernatural. And I know sometimes we think like local church is just like, oh, I'm just going to church. No, friends, this is, this is supernatural. This is powerful. Okay? I mean, can you think of any gifted person who can orchestrate this room right now? Get you here and you here and you here. I mean, we can't get people to like a party that we're throwing. Just think about that, right? But somehow, supernaturally, God brings these spiritual communities together. And this is what the early church was experiencing because they were under the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why it's supernatural. Even for the local church, all came upon them, all over all of them. And, and, and the apostles performed many miracle signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. I mean, think about this. I mean, this was a poverty-stricken people. And this poverty-stricken people was coming together and giving stuff away when they should have been in line saying, we need more. This is supernatural. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit brings. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes and shared the Lord's Supper, and they shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And I'm telling you, friends, this is why we carry the visions and the values we do about connection. This is why we have home groups. This is why when, when you know, if I, if I reach out to you and say, hey, I want to connect with you, this is just a, 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 a kind of way that we can share connection when someone else in the life of the church says, hey, I would like to connect to you. I, I hope it doesn't take months. I hope that you understand that that's something supernatural that's taking place, that because God has ordained for us to be here together and, and operate under this super, a supernatural anointing that only comes with the power of the Spirit. Because let me tell you, when, it, when we're doing it in the power of the flesh or, ju or just in, 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 in the organizationally or just religiously, it's cold. I, I've walked into cold churches. 
I've been around cold groups of people where there's no room to connect. There's no opportunity. There's no awe falling on people. There's no sharing of meals. There's no, there's no supernatural devotion taking place. This is supernatural. So we see the power to form supernatural community. We, we see the power to use gifts. Can you say gifts? 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift. Look at someone next to you and say, God's given you gifts. Listen, friends, if you, if the Holy Spirit has fallen upon your life, if you have been infilled with the Holy Spirit, listen, friends, and you have been given gifts from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Can you say variety? Which means what you carry, someone else next to you might not carry. And that's okay. And what they carry, you might not carry. There's no room for comparison because they're gifts. I mean, you think about kids and, uh, man, I mean, have you ever seen kids who get a gift and then they look at the other kid and they, he gets a gift? Or, or they start, my kids count gifts. <laughs> Not knowing, you know, the little one always costs the most, you know, so you got one, but, you know, they got this big one, you know, not knowing it's just a big box with, I don't know, pillow in it or something. But we do that. We do that. We do that as, as God's kids. We start comparing gifts. Each has been given gifts. But this is what Peter is saying. Listen, use them well to serve one another. You see, friends, that's the Holy Spirit's work. And I've seen abuses of this because I see gifted men and women today, and they're using the gifts that God has given them to serve themselves. They're using it for their own glory. They're using it for their own platforms. And I'm telling you, that's not what God's gifts are for. It's to serve one another. If you carry a gift, that gift is to serve someone else. That's not for, for people to serve you. And I see a lot of gifts in the church being served. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 11. I got to fly through this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Can you say different? But they come from the same Spirit, God the Spirit, <laughs> same Spirit is the source of them all. He is the what? The source. He is the power of all of the gifts. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability. Isn't this amazing that Peter and Paul use the same language? To one person, the Spirit gives the ability uh, to give wise advice. To another, uh, a same, uh, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. And so in some of your versions that you might have memorized, it's words of wisdom, words of knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to another. You know that faith is a spiritual gift? You know that person where, where you're like, I don't know about this thing. That person, like, we can do it. Let's go. Like that's someone who has faith. You want to you hang out with those people, Right? To, to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit, right? A gift of discernment, to, to discern spirits. Still another person is given the ability, listen friends, to speak in unknown languages, tongues while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Now listen, friends, 1 Corinthians uh, 4.3 says, 
you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit when it speaks of tongues. This letter in Corinthians was, was written 20 plus late years after Pentecost. When people believe, oh, well, tongues was just a, a phenomenon that happened at Pentecost. No, 20 plus years later, people were still speaking in tongues by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone, who? He alone decides which gift each person comes. So if, if we say, hey, if you want spiritual gifts, come and I'm going to give them to you. Holy Spirit does that job. Holy Spirit gives those gifts. We see power to transform. Can you say transform? We've talked a bit about this um, in, in, in Steve's message and a bit of my message during the Holy Spirit series. We've seen this, the power to transform, 2 Timothy 3, 5. Listen, it says this, they will act religious. And this is speaking about people who are beginning to walk falsely in the church already by this time when, when, when the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. Again, you know, probably between 20 and 30 years a a after Jesus' ascension. So already 20, you know, a couple decades later, the church is already starting to get some false Christians in the church. They will act religious, but they will reject. Say reject. They will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So they're saying that there's people who, who, who want to be religious and want to be Christian, but they actually reject the power that makes them godly, that actually brings transformation. This is what God the Spirit does. He brings authentic transformation. And, and, and Tyron Daniel uh, has said this. He says, anytime you see God doing the authentic, you see the imposter doing the synthetic or the unauthentic. And so we think, you know, every, everything, you know, uh, is, 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 is black or white, right? And so if God is doing everything, you know, on the white palette, that the enemy is doing everything on the dark palette. No, 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 no. The enemy does stuff really close to what Jesus does. So if Jesus is, is white in its purity, the enemy likes to do stuff off-white. I mean, just subtly white. Because, I mean, that can kind of be like it, right? I mean, it look, that, that looks about right. Have you guys ever picked colors for walls? Have you seen how many whites there are? I mean, there's a lot of whites. But white people should be happy about that. Like, I'm a different shade of white. That's awesome. <laughs> like, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of shades of brown, too. So, um, but it's, it's, it's the, this, the enemy loves to do this off-white stuff. He's doing the synthetic. And we have to be aware of that. Are you guys with me? People, when people deny the power of God, they deny the power of God. They deny the transformation that the Holy Spirit brings. Second Timothy chapter three, the dangers of the last days. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. You listen to that, young people? And great and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will consider nothing sacred sacred they will be unloving and unforgiving they will slander others listen to this is this in the church they will slander others and have no self-control 
They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless and be puffed up with pride and love pleasures rather than God. Listen, verse five, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. That's the context of that, of that scripture. Back to Acts 2. We see the Holy Spirit come. We see this beautiful formation of community taking place. And then we see the enemy begin to embark on spiritual warfare on this church like never before. In Hebrews 11, we see the great hall of faith in as, as, as who I believe the Apostle Paul, but the, 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 the writer of Hebrews writes at the end of that chapter, he begins to talk about the hall of fame of faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua. He's talking about all of these people who lived in faith by God, waiting for the promises of God. But then he lists at the very end of that, the New Testament martyrs, not by name, but he says what they have experienced. They've been saw in half. They've been burned at the stake. They've been crucified. I mean, he just, and he says this world, or, or they were too good for this world, is what he says about the martyrs of the New Testament. The enemy begins to embark on this attack against the church like never before. And I'm telling you, friends, we cannot withstand the attacks of the enemy if we are not empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's no way. You Against Lucifer, no match. Me against Lucifer, no match. Me in Christ and Christ in me, spirit-filled all day long. We got the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. But we now have to understand we have the power through the spirit to stand firm. And I'm just going to close with this real quickly. Ephesians 6. We see this, we, most people know this as the armor of God. And as, as the apostle Paul's closing this letter to Ephesus, he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his, what? Mighty power. Where does that power come from? Holy Spirit. And the strength of his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. And I'm telling you, friends, saints are being taken out because they're not operating under the power of the spirit. When we operate in the power of the flesh, we, we're no match. Flesh against flesh, you can't accomplish anything. We have to contend with the opposite spirit, the Holy Spirit. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Can you say amen to that? This isn't, this isn't physical warfare. This is spiritual. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. This is spiritual warfare, friends. And the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to stand firm, the power to stand firm, in this type of uh, realm. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist. Can you say resist? Resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Can you say amen to that? Are, Are you not tired of seeing Christians getting taken out? 
Are you not tired of seeing our, our, our young people getting taken out by, by, by the tricks of the enemy? Are you not tired of, of, of watching generations, generational curses? You, you, you know what they look like in your realms, but friends, I mean, I can't tell you these things, the same old attacks that keep coming and coming. When it comes to men, you think of things like lust. I mean, just, Satan has been using lust forever. And we still keep falling for it. These curses that come, and but in this, by the power of the Spirit, we can stand firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth. Can you say truth? And the body, uh, uh, and the body armor of God's righteousness. Uh, it was the breastplate of righteousness when I was growing up. Body armor. Some of you guys want to use under armor. That might work too. Listen, but it's God's righteousness. It's not your own righteousness. It's the righteousness that was provided by the blood of Jesus. It's not our righteousness. It's God's righteousness. And for shoes, put on the peace that come from, from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to these, hold up the shield of faith. Can you say faith? To stop the fiery arrows of the devil. You need to protect yourselves from those arrows. That takes faith. Pick it up, friends. Pick it up. Stop allowing those, those fiery arrows to hit you. I mean, have you ever seen like a ball coming? When you see a ball flying in the air, what do normal people say? Duck, four, something, right? Something's happening. Duck, everyone get down, something. We warn people. And yet in the spirit, some of us don't warn ourselves. We see them coming. Pick up that shield of faith. 17, put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit. Can you say pray? Pray. 9.15. 9.15 a.m. every Sunday morning. We're here. We're here. Pray in the spirit. At all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mystery, mysterious plans that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chains now. Can you imagine this guy's in prison telling them to stand firm? I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly. This is what we have the ability to do only by the power of the Spirit, to stand firm. Stand firm in his mighty power. After, after the battle, you will stand firm. You will stand your ground. This is what the Holy Spirit enables us to do. This is why we need him. This is what an outpouring is for. This is what Pentecost was for. That outpouring Jesus knew what those saints were going to endure for that first century of the church. And it was going to be brutal. And I think we've taken our eyes off of that. Belt of truth, breast, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation. That helmet protects your mind, church. It protects your mind. It protects your face. Your face is your identity. Your identity is secure only by the salvation of Jesus Christ. This is what that helmet's for. And the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Man, I, I, I love this because the church has been agonizing over what, what we want, word or spirit. Word or spirit. And you go to most churches and like, oh, we're all about the word. And you go to other churches, oh, we're all about the spirit. Jesus wants both. And so here 
in Ephesians, he, he, he makes no, no, no delineation between the two. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Holy Spirit is the Word of God. There, there's no difference between, in, in God's eyes. It's both. Sword, I mean, word and spirit, word, sword and spirit. Slay that thing. Pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be present in prayer. If you need power from the Holy Spirit, you've read some of the things that I have called out. Power to stand firm. Power for transformation. Power to use gifts. Power to be a witness. Or power to be part of a spiritual community. I would love for you to stand this morning. I'm not trying to make anything happen this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit's already here. And I believe because of the power of his word, he's already been ministering to some of you. So this is what I'm gonna ask. If, if Holy Spirit is ministering to you now, and you feel like he's beginning to pour something into you over your life, I want you to just close your eyes and just begin to receive from the Lord. Just begin to receive from the Lord. And that means lifting up your hands, lift your hands. As a prophetic statement of Lord, I receive. I'm, I'm holding my hands open and, and I receive. You see, these things have been placed in Scripture by the power of the Spirit so that we would not be confused about the things of the Spirit. And I think that we have confused the things of the Spirit because we we have we have presented it in religious packages. And it was never meant to be. How do you package God the Spirit? But he was given as a gift from our King. And some of the things might be mysterious to you. Some of the things might be scary to you. Some of the things might be confusing to you. And I want you to know that's okay because he's God. There's always going to be mystery and wonder and awe. There's always going to be parts about this eternal God that we, we can't completely grasp. If, he, if we could, then he wouldn't be God. I just want you to receive. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is available this morning for you. So Lord, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit on your sons and daughters. Lord, for those who desire spiritual gifts, I pray, God, for an endowment of gifts, prophetic gifts. Yes, gifts of tongues, Lord. Yes, yes, gifts, gifts of, of discerning of spirits, God. Yes, God, get gifts of, of words of knowledge and words of wisdom, gifts of faith, Lord. Lord, the, Lord, look, those who wrestle with doubt and, and those who wrestle with, 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 with intellect, Lord, I just pray for a gift of faith, God, believing in things that they cannot see. <laughs> Gifts of healing. I feel like some of you might be experiencing maybe like even like a burning sensation in your hand this morning. God is wanting to give you a gift of healing. Lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Some of you, God's wanting to see like a mouthpiece. Some of God saying, I, 
need you to open your mouth. I need you to use this beautiful voice that I've given you because you will be my witness. You will be my witness. In the face of fear, you need to operate in faith. You will be my witness. And this comes only through the power of the Spirit. You might not know the Bible verses. You might not know the addresses of of, of the scriptures. But friends, it's just not about the memorization. It's about the truth of the gospel. Endowment of spirit. So gifts right now upon your sons and daughters, God. Men and women alike. Men and women alike. You ladies who believe, I don't know, maybe maybe religiously, you've been you've been told that women have a lesser role. It's rubbish. You've been gifted. You, you've been created in your father's image. You you carry, you carry your father's DNA, his spiritual DNA. What a gift. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For the power of transformation, Lord, I pray for those who have been stuck. Lord, those who, who spiritually have, have said, yes, Lord, I want this transformation. And, and, and maybe they went into a cocoon season, God, where, where this metamorphosis, this transformation that only comes from your, your Holy Spirit comes, but then it stopped. some of us different reasons God it stops because maybe we, we, we aren't as willing as we were or, or maybe we, we, we tried to, to finish in the flesh what was being done in the spirit or, 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 or maybe life's circumstances happened God whatever it is God I pray for that cocoon season to come to fruition for your sons and daughters in this place Lord that, that, that transformation that, can, that is physically evident, that's spiritually evident, that's, that's mentally evident, God. For those desiring this transformation, Lord, I pray, I pray for it to come and come quickly, God. Do the work that only you could do, the work that only you can do. And I, I pray about this thing of spiritual community. For those who have felt like outcasts, those who have felt like, you know, the church has not been a safe place for them. the lies of the enemy. And, and, and I denounce any, any hurt that the church has afflicted on anyone in this room, God. Leaders who have been abusive. Brothers and sisters who are supposed to love who maybe haven't, God. Those who have feared spiritual communities because of, of what that had looked like in the past. But Lord, I pray I pray by the power of your spirit that they understand that your community, this is supernatural. And there should be awe and there should be wonder and there should be there should be beautiful sacrifice and there should be a, a giving of self. And but Lord, the blessing that you put lonely into family. The blessing that we get to be a part of this, this eclectic, gorgeous thing called the church that only you can make up, God. spiritual community to start in the hearts of every person in this place, Lord. And Mass's ability to stand firm for those who have been under attack. Those who have been attacked in their mind, those who have been attacked in their body, those who have been attacked in their spirit. Lord, I pray for the power of your spirit, they have the ability to stand firm in the power of your might. Holy Spirit, I just pray 
I pray supernaturally that your, your, your spiritual armor is just resting is it just resting on your sons and your daughters and they're able to pick this up and it's not heavy and it's not weighty. It's not like Saul's armor. It's not like it's not this big clunky thing that is unable to be maneuvered. It is, it is supernatural and it is slick and it is maneuverable and it, it is unpenetrable because it is from you. Ability to stand firm, to not always live on the offense to not always be taking the blows on defense, <laughs> but to live in the offense. I release this. I release this. And for, for those who are willing to receive, Lord, I pray in their hearts and even with their voices, they can say, I receive. If that's you this morning, just say, I receive. I receive it. In Jesus' name, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. Lord's doing some great work here this morning. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking. Thank you for, for moving in power. I pray that that, that, that isn't just that isn't just in this room, God. I pray it's taken. It's taken and it's not just stood upon. It's walked in. It's walked in. Let us walk in this. Keep in step with the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Jesus praise today. Awesome.